idea. Jesus was the embodiment of the Father. Our weekly identity statement, I am the embodiment of Christ. And like we did yesterday, I encourage you to say this out loud with me as we work on our memory verse. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Luke chapter 6, verse 43 through 45. Being the embodiment of Christ requires change. Change is inevitable in life. We change every day. The question is, do we want to change reactively or proactively? Becoming like Christ requires us to be proactive in our transformation. To be the embodiment of Christ means that we should be tangibly expressing Christ in and through our lives. What was Christ? Love. It is who his Father was. It was why he did what he did. Both his love for the Father and his love for us compelled him to finish the work on the cross, culminating in his death. That's the love we are to embody. We are becoming love. It is not only who Jesus and the Father are, but it is who the church is. But there's a problem with love. It's not something you can do by yourself. In fact, love isn't love until you give it away. Granted, a great deal of our world today revolves around loving yourself first and foremost. We are willing to sacrifice anything and everything to get something we want. We can come up with a thousand justifications for why we deserve this or that, but... If someone around us needs something or asks for something, we become instantly able to come up with a thousand reasons why we shouldn't. Now, before you start throwing stuff at me, let me say, I'm the same way. It's hard to love. And yet, the very foundation of following Christ is built on loving God and loving others like we love ourselves. The commands do not say that you have to love yourself. I cannot tell you how many times I have heard pastors and people say, you won't love others if you don't love yourself. I'm sorry. I know this isn't a very popular stance in today's climate, but where does that thinking come from? If it comes from the Bible, I'm not familiar with the teaching. So, are you saying we shouldn't love ourselves? No, not at all. I'm saying it's the default setting on the dial of our heart. The love dial on your heart has two settings on it. One is me, and the other is God and others. Maybe I'm wrong, but in my experience, most of us spend most of our time with the dial on me. But since love isn't love until you give it away, we never actually experience true love because we are stuck in a feedback loop of trying to give all of our love to ourselves. The ears of our hearts are deafened by the sound. There's more to that setting on the dial, though. When the love dial is set to me and we're in that feedback loop, we have an incredibly difficult time receiving love. The ironic thing is, it is out of self-preservation that we tend to focus on loving only ourselves. We don't want to put ourselves out there and love someone who doesn't love us in return and get hurt. We don't want to get taken advantage of. We don't want to be used. So we don't. We keep the dial on me. But when we turn the love dial to God and others... It not only shuts off the deafening feedback loop of self-love, that lie we were sold back in the garden, it opens us up to be able to receive God's love and the love of others. Maybe the reason so many people today feel unloved isn't because people around them don't love them. 
Maybe it's because they've closed themselves off from receiving love. Or maybe I'm an idiot and all this is hogwash. Now, I don't know about you and I don't want to assume, but I know that there is still a lot of work that God needs to do on my heart to make me a more loving person. Yes, that means I need to change. I am still in need of God's transformative work in my heart. The primary way God is going to transform my heart will be through relationships. There you go again, telling us we need to be in community with other believers and the church is more than that thing you do on some Sundays. We get it already. Get off the soapbox. But I I don't think we do get it. I'm still getting it. I've been hurt. I've been betrayed many times. To me, it feels like a lot. And even though I'd hope to be wiser with my age, I keep getting hurt. At the same time, I've hurt others. Hopefully not a lot, but I have. The more I get hurt by loving people, the more reluctant I get to love. I want to protect my heart from the pain, so I'm more reserved in opening it up the next time. But those very things I do to protect my heart actually cause the greatest harm. And even though I may get hurt time and again, the only way for me to really become the embodiment of Christ is to love God and others without the expectation of reciprocity. C.S. Lewis in his talk, The Four Loves, said, To love at all is to be venerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The only place outside of heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers of love is hell. I'm glad he said that and not me. Feel free to get mad at him. He's dead. However, in my experience with people, he's dead on. When you try to love someone, you're opening yourself up to the potential of a mountain of hurt. But to not open yourself up is to cause even greater, more severe damage. And, by the way, Jesus loved even when it would cost him dearly. You may know what it feels like to be betrayed. So does Jesus. You know what it feels like to give and give and give, to be taken advantage of and never receive anything in return. So does Jesus. You may invest your life into someone for years and in the end have them walk away. So did Jesus. Jesus came to save the entire world, and when it came down to it, only a few were there with him in his greatest hour of need. Jesus definitely knows what it feels like to give love and not receive it, to pour yourself out and not get anything in return. By the way, the Father does too. He created this whole earth, and instead of loving him in return, we wanted to steal it away for ourselves. Then he created a special people for himself, and they continually turned away from God. He loved and loved and loved way beyond what was reasonable. We have one lifetime on this earth. When someone wrongs us, we give up on them. If they come back, we've got our guard up. If they wrong us again, we spout off the foolish proverb, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me, and vow to never love that person again. At best, twice is what we give people, usually just once but not God. 
There were so many times over the thousand or so years of Israel before Christ that they turned their backs on God and God still loved them. Was God frustrated with them? Absolutely. Did God want to destroy them? Definitely. Did God regret making them? Yes. But when they repented from their sin and came back, God was there. As you know, his love is much more extreme than even this because God provided the ransom for the sins of his chosen people through his son. Jesus was here to minister to Israel to try to draw them back to repentance, and they still refused. What did God do? What did Jesus do? Died anyway. So, to become love, we have to give it away. Even when the repetitious nature of doing so seems to cut us deeper and deeper each time. Why? Could it be that this is part of the process of becoming the embodiment of unconditional love? The definition of love we always go to sure sounds like something that we choose to do in light of hurt and heartache. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. You wouldn't need to be patient or kind if it was always easy. Love does not envy. In other words, there must be times when it feels like others are being loved more and better than ourselves. Love isn't about itself, so it can't boast and it isn't proud or self-seeking. Even when people do stupid things, love isn't easily angered. Here's the big one. Love keeps no record of wrongs. So, even when you've been hurt a thousand times, the next time is supposed to be the first time. Love always takes care of others, perseveres through the most trying and difficult situations, and never, ever fails. To become love requires the transformation of our hearts, which we have already said takes time. It doesn't happen overnight, but it also requires relationship. It requires going deep with others, even when you don't want to go deeper. It's putting yourself out there, even if you think it's going to result in your pain. Why? Because that's who Jesus was for us. Since we are in Christ and Christ is in us, that's the driving force in us for the world. And that's how God is going to love the world through us. One last thing. The reason the dial only has two positions? Because loving God is loving others. And loving others is loving God. Our daily scripture focus, 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. As we wrap up, I encourage you to take a few minutes to think and pray through a few things. First, conceptualize. Imagine your heart with a big dial on it with two settings. Setting one, me. Setting two, God and others. Where is it set right now? If it's not already, can you imagine taking it and turning it to setting two? Second, reflect. Think about the deepest pain another person has caused you. Have you given that person another chance? Third, repent. Spend some time praying and ask God to change your mind and heart about each of these areas. If you haven't opened yourself up to loving others lately, ask God to give you the courage to do so. Finally, thank God. 
Thank God that he loves you unconditionally and sacrificially. Thank God for the people who loved you into his kingdom. And thank God for the opportunity to get hurt by others and grow in your understanding of unconditional love. 